Eat, drink, smoke, where we eat the fine food, drink the fine bourbon, smoke the fine cigars. Impeachment is here, although as we record this, the hearings haven't started yet. But I don't think any of it even matters. I don't think anybody believes there's anything in the hearings that can change. Like, the train is going down the tracks. This is a, a, a uh, Wiley Coyote thing. It's not going to hit Bugs Bunny. It's just going right over the tracks. Everything's going down with it. They, we know that we know that politically Democrats want to impeach. They've proven this. They've said this. Even if Nancy Pelosi wants to try to control them, she can't. It's over. So all of this seems to be just a great bit of bluster. We're going to get into it. But first, we're going to get into the drink. So this is weird because, you know, we record Tony Katz, by the way. Hey, how are you? That's Fingers Malloy. Fingers, good morning. Good morning. Or afternoon, whatever it is. Sure. Going on. Um we record a blend bar cigar, Indianapolis, Indiana. Now they're in Nashville, they're in Houston, they're in Pittsburgh. Maybe one of the finest cigar lounges in the country, if not the finest cigar lounge. Love it here like you wouldn't believe. Blendbarcigar.com. Spectacular, special place. And they do a lot of work with Davidoff. And they also, because of who they are, they get weird kind of opportunities that come to them. So a couple weeks ago, if not last week, we did a review of the the Davidoff Grand Cru Toro cigar, which was which was lovely. It really was a very, very good cigar. And I forget, we, we paired it with a Woodford Reserve that I thought was miserable, right. and Fingers Malloy is still drinking. Uh, he loves it so very, very much. Well, they have paired that with the Glenfiddich Grand Cru. So this is a 23-year-old scotch that I hold in my hand right now. Uh, 40% alcohol by volume, so 80 proof in case we were uh, curious. In ex-bourbon and ex-sherry uh, casks right here, right? This is a, a nose of shortbread and of biscuits. It's going to have um, a sweet agrappa uh, feel as they describe it with uh, vanilla and uh, best one, warm wood. What are you doing? When, when you said biscuits, you sounded like, uh, uh, oh, uh, the Humpty Hump guy. Oh, let's grab them in the biscuits. That's pretty good. Thanks. I'll be here all week. Is your nose big? Is your nose big? Perhaps big like a like a pickle, perhaps. <laughs> um, so I'm holding in my hand a $320 bottle of scotch. Wow. This is no joke what we're about to do here. Now, of course, we do it neat, and then, uh, and then we finish. Uh, we sometimes move it to a cube or not. This is Speyside, so uh, I'm curious to see what level of of peat and of moss that we get out of it. We don't always do the scotches. We don't always play in that world. Usually we stick to the bourbons. The rise, I'm telling you, over the weekend, I happened to be here, had the uh, Basil Hayden dark rye. It's good. It's actually growing on me. It's sweet. It's lovely. It's a great late night kind of kind of drink to have. Had it, had it rocks. It, w- it was terrific. This is a first. And how much a, a bottle? This would be $320 a bottle. Have, do I have to remind you that this is one of the sweetest gigs in all of radio? No, you don't know. <laughs> do, I have, do I have to remind you this isn't radio? <laughs> That's true. This is a podcast? Well, that nose is crazy sweet. And, oh, it's shortbread's real. Wow. Not medicinal, though. Not snickerdoodle. Don't think snicker, shortbread is really the better way. It's a, it's, a, it's a bready kind of feel. It's not, a, it's not an overly sweet uh, thing, although there is a bit of citrus going on in the nose. Oh, that's lovely. Hold on, I need some water. I gotta gotta cleanse the palate. 
23 uh, years old. 23 years old. 23 years old, which I know is normally too old for you. Right? You'll be fine. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll be fine right here. Are you ready to do this? Are you scared? You're shaking. Are you No, nervous? I was trying to think of that Matthew McConaughey joke. Right? I, I, know. I keep getting older. <laughs> they all keep staying the same age. Right. All right, all right, all right. That's days and confused right there for you. Are you ready? Yes. We know this, so we're doing it neat. This is the Glenn Fittich Grand Crew. Now, we're going to pair it with the, again, the Davidoff Grand Crew, but this is the Robusto size. So a little bit smaller. So maybe that will it change how we feel about it with being a little more compact. Here we go. You ready? Yep. All right. Okay. That's silent. That, that's weird. You're not happy. It's wonderful. You like it? Yeah. Oh, you, you looked unhappy. You look like you were about I, to. I'm, 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 listen, what did you say the proof is on this? Oh, it's 80 proof. Okay. It's, it, you, you can down this like candy. Yeah. A uh, little bit of shortbread, a little bit of sweetness, no sting, very smooth. This is fantastic. There's a bit of apple. I can see that. Going on there. Um, in, in, that's wow. That's just no cube necessary. No, none. And, Holy! And it, this I, that is actually the flavor is building out as it sits, and I'm not. Ta- I haven't taken another sip. The flavor is building out, and it's unlike any other scotch I've ever had. No, yeah. I'm. I'm w- Holy moly! This is the Glenfiddich, or Glenfiddich, uh, Grand Cru, G-R-A-N-D, then C-R-U, Cuvée cask finish. So as, as I said, it's finished in, in two different kinds here. I, you know what? Um, I'm not a sherry. Oh, sherry. I'm, holy. It's just, I think that part of what's going on here, I'm curious how I feel in, in 30 minutes is that it's nothing like I expected. There's no scotch feel to this at all nope. and in any way. There's almost, to an extent, a mixed drink kind of thing that's, that's, that's going on here. Almost like there's a mixer in it, which, of course, there isn't. I don't... I'm going to see where this is in 30 minutes. This is one of the few instances where I'm not going to throw it on a cube. Yeah, and not p- at all. And part of it, too, is... Listen, I, I, I feel like the environment... Right, kind of influences your drinking sometimes. Sure. As we're recording it, uh, this we are getting the first significant snowfall here in Indianapolis. Right. It's it's cold outside. Uh, you know the snow's flying. This doesn't feel like a day where you want to throw something on the rocks. Correct. Correct. But this also doesn't need it. Sometimes no. the chill takes the sting out of it a touch. There's no sting. I'm not bothered by anything on the throat. There is no warmth at all in the top chest or middle chest. There is no th- there's no warmth on the esophagus, on the throat, anywhere. There's nothing hitting the, the back. There's a touch of something happening in the back pile, but it's not heat. I feel like there's a touch of something with everything when it comes to this. And what I'm worried about is if you throw it on a rock, it's going to water down whatever flavor is there. Oh, and there's no rock. Everything is, everything is subtle with this. I don't think there's nothing that overwhelms you when you drink it. There's not an overwhelming... Uh, alcohol None. taste to it. Uh, there's no sting. The shortbread that we you you brought up earlier, it's very subtle. The apple, I felt it after 
I drank it, you know, it's a lingering flavor. It doesn't hit you when you first drink it. Everything is subtle on this, and it's it's very good, Tony. This is, uh, as, as we said, we're going to let it sit for a little bit. Fanimation, also subtle, Fanimation.com. Your ceiling fan people, great sponsor of this uh, podcast, Fanimation.com. For your ceiling fans, indoor or outdoor, LED lighting, all custom. By the way, you design it as you want and whisper quiet at Blend Bar Cigar. All of the ceiling fans and all their locations are Fanimation fans. They can move the air here. They can move the air in your living room, in your family room. Or how about your outdoor area? Because you can put it uh, under the porch. Boom. You're set. You're done. They do incredible, incredible work. And they've got a selection you will not believe. you got to check it out for yourself. Fanimation.com is where you go online. F-A-N-I-M-A-T-I-O-N. Also on Twitter, at Fanimation. Tell them you heard about it. On the Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast, which you've subscribed to on Apple Podcasts, and you've written a review and given a five-star review. You've done all those things because you're a a fine, upstanding person. Uh, And then uh, Fanimation.com for your ceiling fans. Let's talk impeachment because there's nothing to talk about. (laughs) It's it's so – watching the news constantly discuss this, what's going to happen, this is the most undramaed story ever. There is nothing that's going to happen that we don't know about. All, all, everything that's been released over like the past few days about transcripts of this one and that one and everybody who's you know gone into the secret meeting with, with the uh, House Intelligence Co- uh, Committee Chairman Adam Schiff hasn't even looked good for the political left that's, that is moving this impeachment. But nothing's going to change it. The writing's on the wall. What are the odds? What are the odds that they don't file articles of impeachment? I think they have to. Right. So the odds are zero. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. This is this is political theater, and there's no worse theater in the world than political theater, Tony. Uh, but dinner theater? I would rather go to dinner theater. I would rather watch Rent right now eating a rubber chicken that they would serve to the 300 people watching dinner theater. You would go see Rent before watching the impeachment hearings. Absolutely, especially in this situation where you have as look. Maybe there's some bombshell that they're holding back, but possible. But we've been hearing about the bombshell for three years now. First, it was the Russian uh, collusion story where another bombshell. This may finally bring down the Trump presidency. The walls are closing in. Yes. Wait, what are the other expressions that they use? It's usually the walls are closing in. Yeah, the walls are closing in. The noose is tightening. Yeah. Yep. That's always a good one, too. But and then nothing happens. And what amazes me, Tony, is you would think people on the left, and I'm not talking about the politicos, I'm not talking about the uh, the leftist talking heads in the media people, bubble. Just like people, people who are Democrats. Why would you get sucked into this again? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. They're so desperate to get this man out of the White House, and I don't think they're very confident in the crop of candidates that are going to be running against him, yeah, that they're, I, so they're vying to run true. against him, that you, you got sucked into this whole Russian thing, and that was a big bust. You think you would sit back and say, okay, they, they sold me that there was Russian collusion, and you know this was going to be the thing. Rob Reiner was probably sobbing in his tub of Ben & Jerry's when the Mueller report came out. <laughs> You're going to go through this all over again with this Ukrainian thing, and it's, it's, this is going to be a bust. Do you think that a lot of leftists would sit back and say, you know what, instead of focusing our energy on and, and, and trying to get this guy impeached, why don't we craft a message that would <laughs> that would win but the I, White House back in 2020? So I think I think it's bigger in that 
there are plenty of people who are just casual political observers who they're not fans of Trump, right? But they're not fans of Trump because they don't like the guy. They're not upset with the job he's doing, right? So if, if you tell me there are people out there who are like, man, I wish you would stop tweeting and I wish you would be a, a more decent person and I wish uh, uh, that he wouldn't treat this person that way or that person that way. I, th- I think that's the way a lot of people feel. And for some people, it moves them to an election basis. If you tell me that a phone call with the president of Ukraine where he said, yeah, I need you to get involved in this uh, in this corruption investigation and 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 we need that favor from you and you want to call that a quid pro quo feel free but it doesn't change the fact that that's how foreign policy is done and the the idea that that the political left right the the Adam Schiff's of the world they want to make you believe like that's never happened before yeah They're, Eric Swalwell the congressman from California is clutching his pearls saying oh, he's got the vapors he can't believe such gambling in my establishment I cannot believe <laughs> um, like. But this is the way the world works. And I think a lot of people, when this becomes the story, like this gets kind of laid out for them, they're going to say, well, how does every contract in America work? Every contract in America works this for that. Every deal works this for that. Where is nothing else out there? Is a country allowed to say we want financial aid? And we're not allowed to say anything? It's, It's not predicated on anything? Think about that. Go through it in your head. Could Iran put their hand out and say we want aid? Well, you know, you guys spend a billion dollars a year supporting state terrorism. You don't get to decide what we do. You just hand over the money, bitch. Like, that's not the way the world works. In your business, at your home, whatever it is you do, you don't work like that. Everything is involved in a deal. Everything involved foreign policy is a deal. There's this very cool montage, this supercut, of all the presidential candidates, Democratic presidential candidates, talking about the deals they would make on a whole myriad of subjects. Because it's all about the deal-making. Now, all of a sudden, there is no deal-making in foreign policy. There is no this for that, what they call the quid pro quo. Of course there is. So if you're offended by the fact that he brought up Joe Biden's name, you're going to say there's something wrong here. The rest of America that has actually had to sign the front of a paycheck and actually has to work for a living and actually has to put deals together, they're looking at this saying, what the hell are you doing to me? I think the bigger, one of the bigger stories here is how out of touch, out of touch Schiff and Swalwell and the rest of this team look. Out of touch. Like they've never experienced the world at all. Well, that, that's because they're in their bubble. They're in their bubble in Washington, D.C., and they're in a bubble whenever they visit their districts and, and their constituents who want to see Trump gone. But I think most of, well, I shouldn't say most of America, but there's a lot of America that is completely tuned out of this whole situation because they've heard it for two years about Russia it was a dud. You've had major people in the Democratic Party before Trump even was inaugurated saying he should be impeached. They're, they're, it's like, okay, they're, they're fishing for a reason the to try to impeach The impeachment going on for three years. We don't yeah. disagree about that. And that's not even a question of your politics. That's just read, right? Yeah. I, I can point to comics from, from political cartoonists going back three years the, uh, showing this exact subject. But the idea that the, the people don't want it. Uh, the, the polling out there says 49% of America wants it. It's the same polling that existed three years ago. It exists now. Your argument means that the, the actual elected official doesn't even care about their constituency 
They're doing this to satisfy the constituency in Congress as opposed to the constituents at home. That's nuts. Well, that and the, the, look, the party base as a whole. The party base has been screaming for this before the guy was even inaugurated. Much of the Democratic Party base was like, we got to get him out of here. Let's got to figure out how to get him out. And now, going into 2020, it feels like that they feel like they have to pay off the base by at least going back and saying, look, we tried. And boy, won't this look good in fundraising emails going into 2020? So we're placing our bets. There's absolutely going to be a vote on impeachment. I think so. That's the I think so is not it, man. Yes or no, yes. man. You got to place your yes. bet like a man. You got to pull, pull down Throwing the them on the table down. right now. Huh? You know, will the vote go through? Will there? Will they vote yes on the articles of impeachment? Yes. Will the Senate? Vote absolutely to not. And there we are. And that, that's that's absolutely it. I sometimes waver on whether or not they'll actually vote on the articles of impeachment, but the answer is, of course, they will. And then the the, the Senate is not going to remove. I mean, we all understand the process, right? Impeachment is the House of Representatives. They're going to vote on articles of impeachment, the charges against the president. Then the Senate has a full hearing. The Chief Justice John Roberts, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, will will act as the judge, and then the Senate is the jury. And the Senate has to hear the evidence, weigh the evidence, and then vote, and they have to vote in public. There are no secret <laughs> votes with impeachment. The other one is they all have to be present. And the way this is kind of timing out, this could time out that the impeachment hearing um, in the Senate runs in January. The Iowa caucuses for the Democrats is February 3rd, and you've got... Amy Klobuchar, Michael Bennett, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and Kamala Harris, all running for president, who won't be able to be in Iowa because they have this constitutional (laughs) duty. (laughs) Democrats are going to do that to them? Yes. That's brutal. Uh, But here's the funny thing. so much hate. Here's a question I have for you, Tony. How many Republicans will they pick off? How many will they peel away and vote for impeachment? In my head right now, I only have two. And I've been thinking about this for a while. I mean, they only have two that are definite, and that's Mitt Romney and Susan Collins. You don't think Lisa Murkowski's going to? I'm not. It, so she, for me, is a bit of a question. Um, it's possible. Uh, uh, it, she, Lisa Murkowski's out of Alaska. It's possible. But I'm not into the probable with her. But even if we said her, that's three. I don't know who else there is. I'm not kidding. I don't know where you're going to go because remember, all politics are local. There are some people, just like there were some Democrats who did not vote for the inquiry. They didn't vote for the inquiry because they're in districts. Like one guy, his name is uh, John Van Drew or James Van Drew. Uh, he's in New Jersey. New Jersey, which is a, a very liberal place. But his district, Trump won by like seven. Yeah. So he didn't vote for the inquiry. Right? Because right. all politics are local. That's the most real. That's the most clear, uh, provable kind of thing for politicians in the world. So if you take a look at states like Pennsylvania, I'm not sure. If you take a look at um, uh, was it, was it Caputo, Caputo in, in West Virginia, um, maybe. But again, I doubt it because I'm not so sure that Joe Manchin of West Virginia, Shelley Moore Capito, C-A-P-I-T-O, that's it. Uh, she's in West Virginia. I'm not sure if Joe Manchin's going to vote for this. I'm not 100% sold that he's on board, man, at all. But no, it's not going to go forward in the Senate, and it won't matter because the day it fails in the Senate, 
the next day there will be new charges brought against the president, indicted for, or, or implicated in this, and there needs to be an investigation of that. This is the, the never-ending horror of the political cycle, of, of, of these political times, I should say. It's a never-ending damn horror. And if that's true, who pays the political price? And that's what's going to be very interesting going into 2020. Will it be people sitting back, the independents saying, I'm, I'm tired of Trump, I've got Trump fatigue? Or is it going to be how many more investigations are Democrats going to open on this president? We need to teach the Democrats a lesson. I have that no, may be the story of 2020. I don't know if anybody's going to pay the political price. I'm looking for people to pay the price on the ABC story about Jeffrey Epstein, which we're going to get to. All right, this is the Glenn Fitted. This is $329 a bottle. This is the Grand Cru. It's a 23 year old scotch. We, we've let it sit for a while. We've let it get some air to it, open up a little bit. Um, it smells so good, right? It does. The sh- and it is. It's bready. And the shortbread's a good good call. It was. It doesn't taste anything like scotch. It doesn't taste anything like scotch. We're on to it. You just had another sip. Some 15 minutes, 20 minutes in. It's great. I mean, look, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to spend $329 on a bottle of booze. Um, but it's fantastic. Actually, I, I feel on the tongue it had a little more sting. And that's opened up a little bit. There's a little now. I've got a little warmth. So I'm curious. I don't. I don't know what to do with this because I should recognize it as enjoyable. I can't. I couldn't. I. I. I'm, I'm, when we pair it with the cigar, that's what we're gonna get into. The, what's so, been trying? What's been killing me is I'm sitting here and I'm just nursing this, waiting for the cigar. Uh, yes. Yes. That's what we're gonna have to do because that's what I want to do is I want to pair it. Um. It's not scotch. I don't know how else to best describe it. Is it? Is it terrific? Yes, but it's not scotch, and that's kind of it's that's that is messing with me. Three hundred twenty-nine dollars a bottle. I don't know, but is it special? Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's it's absolutely positively special. That is, it's a beautiful presentation too. It's a, like almost like a triangle shape kind kind of bottle with a. Uh, like a deep V groove uh, into it, uh, black and gold. That is cool. That is cool. That is good. 329, I don't know yet. I'm going to pair it with the cigar in a second. Uh, I, I almost feel bad going heavy story to heavy story because it's like, like the, we do some of the lighter fare here, you know, and the cultural things and everything else, but I don't know. With all of the Epstein didn't kill himself <laughs> memes, which is. It's so great, except I think we're actually making it a joke. And I don't want to make it a joke. And so I'm stuck in this place where I'm like, all right, that's funny. Okay, I saw this thing on Facebook. Okay, that's good. Oh, someone brought it up on TV. That's great. Can we get to the fact that Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself? Is, does that make me a conspiracy theorist? No. Do you know why? Because Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs> that's totally why. He didn't. We're talking about the child uh, sex uh, predator. We're talking about the child rapist what we're talking about here and then got other children for other men and who knows whom else to have sex with he had a plane called the lolita express he had a sex island people knew about this and then he, he had been arrested once for it then they arrested him again and he kills himself in prison except there were no guards watching him 
One of the guards wasn't even a guard. And the video cameras happened to be broken. It happens. It, it does. <laughs> it does. Now, there's a theory called Hanlon's Razor, which is kind of like Occam's Razor. So Occam's Razor is that usually the simplest answer is the answer. Now, that's not really it, but that's what people believe it is, so go with it. Hanlon's Razor is never, um, a, never something as malice when it could simply be stupidity. Right? So very often it's not that everybody is is being corrupt and colluding and, and involved in this great conspiracy. Usually it's just schmucks. I don't believe that in the case of Jeffrey Epstein at all. And if you want to call me a conspiracy theorist, knock yourself out. You want to send me tinfoil by the pound? <laughs> Feel free. What I'm telling you is I don't buy it. I don't believe it. And this guy was associated with every heavy hitter out there. Is there video of him with President Trump? Yes. And they were at some event, and there's all these 20-somethings, or, yeah, I'd say 20-somethings, dancing, and Trump was a young man. He's talking to Epstein and making him laugh because Epstein was a player. There's no doubt Epstein was a player. had a lot of money. I'm willing to bet you almost everything I've got that I don't think Trump ever did any of that kind of stuff. It doesn't sound like him. It's not his M.O. It never came up in anything else he had ever done ever in the history of ever. And understand that Trump was the Playboy billionaire. In New York, you know, they they talk about stories of, of, he did this to me or that to me. I don't believe those stories. What I do believe is that there is a, you could find hundreds of women who saw Donald Trump in Trump Tower in the 80s or in the 90s and kissed him. I'm willing to believe that. All day, all night. And in the 70s, my God, what must have gone on? What must have gone on? You've got a billion dollars and your last name's Trump and your name's all over the place. What do you think happened? Dear Lord. But the underage stuff, I don't buy it all. I don't buy it in the slightest. Now, Bill Clinton? Bill Clinton was on the plane. That plane called the Lolita Express, which is creepy enough, by the way. Right. Right? Plane might have been, as well been named Windowless Van. <laughs> Super creepy. 26 times. That's, the, that's how the story goes, the reporting goes. He never saw anything? Hillary never saw anything? Chelsea never saw anything? Oh, At I- Chelsea's wedding is Ghislaine Maxwell, who is supposed to be the woman who procured the girls for Jeffrey Epstein. And she's in hiding right now, is she not? Well, I thought there was that one picture of her in an out burger. <laughs> and, uh, and then she might very well be <laughs> in, in hiding. What did she know and when did she know it? So that he killed himself just isn't factual. And everyone's talking about how Epstein uh, didn't kill himself. Then Project Veritas releases the video of Amy Robach. Did you see the video? Yes. So here's this ABC anchor, Amy Robach, on a hot mic, open mic video as well, talking about how we had the story. And she mentions Clinton by name. And this one was doing an interview. And this was the most prolific uh, child molester in, in history. And ABC wouldn't let them run the story. I, NBC wouldn't run the stories about sexual abuse from Ronan Farrow, so he had to go to the New Yorker and get them printed. And it turns out it was rampant. It wasn't just Matt Lauer. Andrew Lack, who heads up NBC News, he knew what was going on. And now ABC News didn't run the story because it didn't meet their journalistic integrity. Meanwhile, if you want to say that Kavanaugh abused some woman when he was a kid without proof, they'd run that story all day and all night. Of course. And then they are the ones who said, we have exclusive video of the bombings going on in northern Syria now that President Trump has pulled U.S. troops out by Turkish forces. And it was a gun range in Kentucky. 
Don't tell me about ABC News's crack standards. It's garbage. Well, maybe if he were smirking at an American Indian. Mm. Ah, yes. Yes. Covington Catholic, baby. Well played. Yeah. Then maybe they would have reported on it. Let me ask you this, Tony. Yeah. Amy Rohrbach. Yeah. Robach. Robach. Roar? Robach. Robach. She had to have known when she was talking what she was doing. You think she did it on purpose? Yes. I mean, you, you listened to the poor girl that got fired. And I, I don't have the, her name in front. Yeah, uh, uh, her name is Ashley Bianco, and it was Megan Kelly who got the interview. And we'll get to the fire thing in a second. But that part of the story—it wasn't just a hot mic in the studio. This was a hot mic, according to the girl that got fired. This audio and video was going to over satellite to all the local affiliates too, that they could see this. You can't tell me she didn't know that. Look at how—you've been in the business for a long time. I've been doing this for a long time. When you're around a microphone and you're about to say something explosive, the first thing you ask is, are you recording this? Oh, I say it all the time. Is this, is this being recorded? Come you can't tell me she didn't know exactly what she was doing and that she wanted someone to hear all that more than just the people in that room. There is a West Wing episode where, and, and Sorkin is not my political stripe, but I mean, that show to me is a, is a flat out work of art. And he's doing interviews. He's doing a junket, doing interviews. Uh, he's in one spot. It's different anchors uh, that, that come on. And in, in every single case, after the interview is over, the uh, anchor of who's doing whatever city they're in tries to get him to say a little something, right, that they can have, a little nugget that they can have. And when it comes to Philadelphia... He says uh, about his political opponent who's running against him for president uh, that, you know, it's, it's, he's a guy with a, 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 a 22 caliber mind in a 357 caliber world. And it, it was picked up on the hot mic and he plays it off like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that happened. But he planned it. He planned it because in Philadelphia, he thought a gun reference would work and he wanted that out there so he could slam his opponent as not being bright. Uh, but... Uh, but have uh, you know the plausible deniability, and then the narrative and the and the the news cycle for the next week will be is his opponent smart enough to be in the race? Right. So that was the, that that hot mic thing was played out pretty well because it reminded me very much of this story. If the argument is that she wanted everybody to hear it, why didn't everybody play it? It's a newsworthy clip. This girl named Ashley Bianco, in an interview with Megyn Kelly, admitted that she saw it happen. She talked to actually one of the other producers about it, and she clipped it in, the, in their internal system. But she said she didn't leak it, and Project Veritas says she didn't leak it. When ABC News saw this video come out from Project Veritas, they started searching who out whoever did this. They found her. She didn't work there anymore. She worked for CBS News. She had been there for four days at CBS and then ABC called CBS, and CBS fired her. They fired her. Turns out she didn't leak anything. Now, maybe it's Project Veritas giving her some cover because she did leak it, and they don't want her to know, whatever the case may be. But, dear Lord, now we don't know. In the meantime, the real story has been lost, that ABC News is not covering Jeffrey Epstein, this, this pedophile, and all of the men 
of political stripes and celebrity stripes that were associated with them. One of those people is George Stephanopoulos. I am not saying I have any concrete proof whatsoever that George Stephanopoulos of ABC News did anything. I do know, as was reported, that there was a dinner after Jeffrey Epstein got out of jail the first time from Florida. And it was a dinner in his home in New York. And who was there? Katie Couric and Chelsea Handler and George Stephanopoulos, amongst, um, amongst others or among others. So I want to know, why are we so totally incurious on this story? This is insane. These, there are high-level people who knew what was going on. High-level people who bought kids for sex. And I want them out of political life. I want them out of celebrity life. I want them in jail. What's taken so damn long? Where the hell is A.G. Barr, the attorney general, to get this done? I don't care about anything else. Why does anybody care about anything else? Put the trade deal on hold. If we don't have a country that can agree on the basic premise that we don't allow child molesters to simply walk away free, well, then we don't have a country. We're damn well doomed. Wow, was that? Was that <sighs> no, I, I don't I mean, disagree with you. I, I just am I'm marveling over how the media is circling the wagons. Not only for uh, CBS and for them not covering the Epstein story, but there has been little blowback from any of the major news outlets over this girl's firing. And you're just not seeing it. I mean, why would it take Megyn Kelly, who doesn't even have a job right now, to be the one to interview the person who got fired? How did Megyn Kelly get the interview is what I asked. And I think what what you're saying is... She got it because nobody else would take it. Yeah. What happens if nobody else would take it? They're that they're that afraid of it. They're that willing to. This is the see. This is the that there's any level of political feel to this story. That's the part I can't I can't get my head around. And what if it's it's not ABC? What if it's Fox News that had the story? Same conversations happening right now. Same conversation. Oh, you don't think that every news organization would be bla- instead of not wanting to talk about the story they would be they would be blasting fox news right now if they had that story three years ago i i, I agree with you no I, I meant that if if fox news had held the story oh yeah i'd be in the same yep. place doing the same thing right right now but i i cannot accept the idea that we are a country that can't agree that you shouldn't be having sex with 12 year olds that adults shouldn't be having sex with 12-year-olds. We can't agree on this. I don't know what to do. Like, uh, this I, I, this is the first story ever. And I, I guess I'm taking it personally. And I usually don't do that on anything. Um, this is the first story ever where I really feel like there are haves and have-nots. That there is this group of people who actually think that they're above the law and can do anything. And I'm not okay with it. So w- when we talk about the, 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 the joking that's going on. You know, with the Epstein didn't kill himself stuff. I'm happy to have the story talked about. But it has to be more. I want to know what happened. I want to know who was associated. I want to know who's going to go to jail. And if we, honestly, if I can't stand next to Representative Ocasio-Cortez and get agreement on that, okay, there are two Americas. I want I want those people to pick a half and we'll take the other How half. many times have we witnessed over the years... State government, the federal government, having some kind of blue ribbon panel, a commission to investigate a problem. Like, I think uh, 
Gavin Newsom just uh, wanted to have an investigation over, over why gas prices are so high. Why is Taxes. It, Next question. Uh, yeah. How, how much did you pay for that? I'll take a 10. Yeah. Why don't uh, we have – why doesn't the state of New York – why doesn't someone at the federal level say, you know what? This is too big just to have regular law. We need a, a, a commission. We need – a blue ribbon pound. Call it whatever you want to call Donald it. Trump's tax returns are meaningless, and nobody needs access to them. We need this. Yeah. You're absolutely. Right. I want to know everyone who not just participated in Epstein's little whatever you want to call that, but right. I want to know the people who knew about it and for years said nothing and let it go. Wouldn't go to the authorities for whatever reason. I want to know. And so we're clear. And they should be shamed. People knew. So we're absolutely clear people knew and stayed completely, completely silent. And I think the reason why they stayed silent and why you would never see something like that is because the names who are involved, the people who were involved in Epstein's little ring. They're, they're the not names, more important than us. I know That's why we have to keep at it. I'm, I'm really... I, people have to keep at it. You can't simply let this one go. It can't go. But it's more than a meme. But but the, but people are probably scared to try to go any further. They killed Epstein in jail. They it supposedly should be, unless it's another prisoner, should be one of the safest places to keep somebody. You're in a cell surrounded by guards. Except, and somebody, except, and somebody except got you're not. Yeah. Except, no, no. Right. It's not like someone slipped by the guards. Like, it was some kind of... X-Men thing. I'm talking about the way it's supposed to be. The guards, wink, wink, were sleeping. Wink, wink. And the video, wink, wink, wasn't working. Well, wink, wink. We all need a nap from time to Dear time. Dear Lord. How come the guards are always uh, there and the video is always working at brothels? <laughs> no one ever just slipped into a brothel. Yeah, they got laid. We don't know how it happened. Yeah. That never, that never. Yeah. <laughs> that never happens. Backbone bourbon. Great sponsor. Thrilled to have them and in your liquor cabinet right now. We're talking about the uncut and the prime. These are two fantastic bourbons at some proofs that our Fingers Malloy approved. How about 104 proof for the prime and 117 for the uncut? Right there. Is that, a, is that, is that applause? Right there. Me, it is. What is that? Is that a, is there a Sorry. clown? Sprung a leak. Uh, I apologize. For me, it is uh, the uh, Bone Snapper Rye. The rye is just terrific. And a must-have in your liquor cabinet. Then there's the bone-dry gin. The people at Backbone, they're doing it right. And what they understand is this bourbon should be savored. You're not trying to pound it. You're not trying to just sneak one in. This is about taking some time and enjoying yourself. This is not an overly costly bourbon. This is a bourbon you're going to enjoy and take your time with and be like, you know what? Worth the investment and worth me investing my time in it. Just terrific people. As, as they say, crafted for those who understand that hard work, guts, and determination warrant a moment to stop and reflect. Do it straight. Do it on the big cube, however you want. BackboneBourbon.com. Fantastic sponsor of the Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast, which you should be subscribed to on Apple Podcasts. It's at Stitcher. It's at Google Play. Check it out for yourself. Make sure you give it a five-star review. Check out all uh, the episodes, all the versions, but Backbone Bourbon. Fantastic people. BackboneBourbon.com. Now, we are smoking the Davidoff Grand Cru Robusto. So the Robusto, in case uh, you are you are wondering, is a uh, five and a quarter by fifty-two. So five and a quarter refers to five and a quarter inches long. That's Dee. the length. Huh. 
Did I prematurely yeah, tee? It, it was a premature tee. I didn't want to. I don't want to tell you. I was just get your napkin. Um, and then the ring gauge fifty two is how thick it is around. Tee. Yeah, you did it right. You, 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 you held on. You held on. You thought about baseball, did you? That's what you did right there. So this is an Ecuadorian uh, wrapper, Connecticut seed, and the binder and filler are Dominican on this. Now this is a a a fair to solid medium. I think is what I would call uh, this cigar right here. And again, like the other Grand Cru, the Toro size, which is a bit longer uh, that we did, uh, it's going to be woody. Uh, there's going to be a bit of a nutty uh, feel to it. It starts off with a bit of that spice coming from the Dominican that's going to subside a touch. So what I want to do, by the way, I like the size. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. Um, usually I like things a little bit longer. Five and a quarter, to me, the way I smoke is going to go a little too fast. But all right. I want to get into the second third, and then we're going to pair it with uh, the Glenfiddich Grand Cru. And by the way, blend is the only place you could do this. I think it's the only place you could do uh, this pairing. So if you're in Indianapolis or Pittsburgh or Nashville or, or Houston, you want to you want to check this out for yourself. You want to compare the Grand Cru. You want to match the Grand Cru with the Grand Cru. What's the matter? Uh, well, I, I'm curious. <sighs> Being a cigar novice, this may be a silly question to ask, but I'm going to ask it anyway because I'm a cigar novice. Uh, the Toro. Yes. I didn't feel like when we first lit it, it had that peppery, spicy. I don't think it did either. This did, this does though. Yeah. It, well, because because is it because of the length? I'm going. I'm going to say yes, but it could be for two million other different reasons. You know what I mean? Um, but I'm going to say yes. I'm, uh, the simplest answer is yes. That might have needed a little more time to get into, build up a little bit of uh, of heat, if you will. Oh, this is lovely. The burn is perfect. Yep. Absolutely. And it was with the Toro, too. Remember sitting back, we were talking about how, you know, I think that was a 32 to $35 stick, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And we were saying, okay, it can't, you know, you don't want to take it on the golf course. But um, no. but the one thing that you do want on a golf course is a cigar that you don't have to worry about. You, know, you can set it down for a minute or two, and it's not going to go out on you. That's what I noticed about the Toro with this is that it, it, it was a great even burn didn't have to babysit it right take your time with it and this feels the same uh, this is somewhere around $20 a stick is where you're going to find this so depending on the lounge it could be a little bit more expensive but that's what this is uh, so one of the things we're going to start doing over the next couple of months is start experimenting really outside of the, the, the Davidoff line now this Blend is a Davidoff Lounge, so we happen to do a lot of their things, but we do some other things as well. There are so many. What, what's happening, I think, in cigars right now is special and and terrific. Um, and and while they're they're not a sponsor, I you should know I am a uh, lifetime member of Cigar Rights of America, uh, and Cigar Rights of America is about making sure that the laws don't keep us from being able to engage cigars, because right now one of the things the FDA is looking at is forcing cigars to have the same labels and warning labels as cigarettes on like a third and a half, a third or more of the box. And these boxes are pieces of art. You've seen them before. You know a cigar. So you're talking about ruining that. The issue is, is that, yes, a cigar has nicotine, but a cigar is not inhaled. So the idea that you could come up with some kind of quantifiable science that shows that the cigar does to the body what a cigarette does to the body doesn't exist. That's not the way it works. And so when you talk about a cigarette, 
you can't treat it. You can't treat it the way you do a cigar. On the vaping conversation, which we now know from the CDC, you know, there have been these deaths uh, around vaping, and then immediately everyone's like, we have to ban, we have to ban vaping. We have to ban flavors. We have to ban that. Turns out that the culprit is vitamin E in certain black market obtained liquids that also contain massive amounts of THC. 100% of the illnesses and deaths involve vitamin E in, in too large of a, of a quantity, I guess, according to the CDC, which means that vaping is fine. I'm not saying it's the healthiest thing in the world for you. That's not the math that I'm doing. I'm saying that if you're a cigarette smoker and you want to try and transition out, you move to vaping, I think it's fine. Good on you. Should kids vape? No, absolutely not. But this, the push that the attack on vaping was gross and ridiculous. And the reactionary moves of Michigan and Massachusetts on vaping and the banning of flavors is trash. Trash. This is what happens when people are ideological, right? And they're not. They're not science-based. Nobody who went to ban vaping is science-based at all. It's all emotion. All of it. All of it. And where does that get us? It doesn't help us with anything. Yet, these people, how how do you get preyed on in such a way that you'll buy into this? This whole idea of we have to do something. Everybody talks about government and guns, for example. We have to do something. Whoa. If you say we have to do something and the other person next to you says we have to do something, the person next to them says we have to do something, well, three people got three different ideas of what something is. So therefore, government and government officios, right, politicos, they have to do everything. They have to do anything. They have to do everything to satisfy all the people. And that's when it all just goes to hell and you end up living in a crap world. Well, but I agree with the people in this situation who call for we should do something. The first thing we should do is figure out why this is happening, not the knee-jerk reaction, which is, we should do something, let's ban it. Ban everything. The ironic thing about this whole thing is we're coming to find out that the reason why these people got sick, or worse, was because they turned to a black market provider of their juice. Now you're having government step in and ban flavored juice, ban ban the flavored vapes. So where are people going to turn when the legal product isn't available? They're going to turn to a black market provider, which we've just found out is a dangerous thing to do when it comes to vaping because you don't know what these people are putting into the juice. So you have just banned a product that adults were using a safe product and they're going to turn to the black market. More people are going to turn to the dangerous product. So on the idea of doing anything, this is a story out of Indianapolis, a town to the north called Carmel. There's kids vaping in the bathrooms. They're they're high schoolers vaping in the bathrooms. And so in order to deal with that, the city decided they were going to pass an ordinance that would ban vaping in parks and ban vaping here, and then it would also affect cigars and cigarettes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Kids are vaping in a bathroom. The first time you get a four-day suspension, the second time you get expelled. That's it. Tell the parents that your kid ain't special, they're not allowed to vape, and they can't be in the school anymore. You want you expel one kid. You watch how quickly the vaping stops. Yep. But the, the anti-smoking zealots... 
They took advantage of this and they, oh, see, this is where we have to ban it here. And while we're doing it, we need a more comprehensive smoking ban. They're never so happy as when they're banning. The state of Indiana actually pushed the idea that they should increase the tax on cigarettes by $2 a pack. And by doing so, they'll put a dent in smoking. No. What you do is you put a tax on poor people when you tax it $2 a pack because rich people can still do it. If you are serious of using dollars as an economic disincentive, which, uh, by the way, it only proves that taxes is, is punitive. All taxes are punitive, plain and simple. If that was the case and having a higher tax was going to keep more people safe, why wouldn't your tax be $50 a pack? Why are you such a bunch of two-bit punk cowards not caring? What about the children, right. Fingers Malloy? That's right. If you only cared about the children, you'd do $50 a pack and therefore everybody would be safe. I, I take this personally because I've got several friends who have quit smoking because of it. I've got one friend who was a three-pack-a-day smoker. You, you could say who if you want. Uh, my, well, my friend Tracy Connors. Who you do the podcast, the yeah, Enough Already Enough podcast. Already podcast. She was, uh, you know Fingers does this, and he does uh, radio on uh, Wham Talk 1600 in, in Michigan. He does the Snark Factor podcast. He does the Enough Already podcast. Uh, he produces podcasts in case you need any help, you can find them at fingersmalloy.com. Thank you. That? Thank you, Tony. They call How's me that? the king of small media. Is, by that, the way. is that right? Yeah, that's right. Well, <laughs> they're not wrong. Uh, but uh, so I take this personally. I've got friends who tried prescription drugs that were designed for people to quit smoking, and they couldn't stay on them because of the side effects. This vaping way of kicking the habit, look, is it, I, we don't know the long term health ramifications of someone who vapes for a long time, but I could tell you. Tracy has been, uh, she hasn't smoked in, I believe, seven years, and she vapes. That has to be better. And uh, I would rather, I don't want my kid smoking, I don't want my kid jeweling, but I I certainly, okay, right. I I certainly would rather, if I had a choice, have my kid uh, smoking a a vape pen versus a Marlboro Red. But it, it, but it's, it's, but it shouldn't be done by kids. It shouldn't be done by kids. Never, ever. And that's another reason on the cigar front. Cigars are never, ever marketed to children. There isn't. Even the flavored cigars that exist, they're not marketed to kids. I never, I never in high school uh, hung around a bunch of kids that were, they, they wanted to get their hands on cigarettes. Yes. Nobody said, you know what would be great? Can we get our, our hands on some Davidoff cigars and spend $30 a stick? Never are, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, are you ready to do this? Yes. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. So we are now pairing. Let me me ash this. I mean, it's fine, but... By the way, the ash is holding beautifully. Tony was getting nervous because I was talking to him, waving my cigar around over the equipment. You're over the equipment. I just didn't want anything to happen. No, I I appreciate it. It's holding just great. All right. So this is the Grand Cru Glenfiddich uh, Scotch, and we are the uh, Grand Cru from Davidoff uh, Robusto Cigar. So... I don't know if you have to like puff first, but we've already got puff, the taste puff, of the cigar. Is that what you're saying? By the way, the the spice has subsided a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. wood, the wood, a touch of grass is in there. This I want. I almost want to argue is a touch earthier than than the Toro. However, it could just be the day. It could be, which is so crazy. How a cigar will change on you, uh, and and it, basic same profiles, but can have subtle differences. And you're different, and what you ate for lunch is different, and everything else. So, all right, and it could just be, it could be what we're drinking. So. And hopefully you'll enjoy this better because you said we paired it last yeah. time with that Woodford Reserve and you, you you hated it. Oh, my God. 
and people hated it. people commented like, "What's wrong with you?" I'm sorry, Woodford Reserve. I like this was the oak the oak grain. I believe so. And I listen. That wasn't one of my favorites, but if you're but it was drinkable. And if you're gonna you know pour two full pours into my glass of a drinkable alcoholic drink, I'm right, not gonna turn that down. All right, you ready? Yes. Here you go. Okay. So that's the first sip that both of us have had in a good 30 minutes. It does hit your tongue different. A little. There's a little touch more burn on, yeah. on the back of the throat. Yeah. There's a touch more burn. The part that works, um, if you were to go to Davidoff itself and ask about this cigar, how they would, would talk about it, woody, nutty, slight, slightly uh, spicy um, ki- kind of uh, a- a- aroma. Um, in, in the aroma, but in, in the flavor, woody and, and spicy. Um, I think the cigar makes the the orchard punch, right? So there was an apple flavor, but it was it was apple. Now it's like a, now it's thicker. So that's the only thing that so far that's really pronounced. The the fruit is thicker. That that for me is true. It is it is. It's a it's a light scotch, right? And it doesn't even taste like scotch. It doesn't taste like scotch, and it but goes back to where was the it, it's it's uh, a it, sherry cast, a sherry cast, uh, yeah, the sherry and bourbon is what they do it in. That's interesting. We did do the one bourbon. Was it a bourbon that was in a port? Yes. So I don't know if that was the dovetail. No, that was in Cabernet. I forget which one was in port. You have to go back to eat, drink, smoke, and. Go through all the episodes and find it. You really did. And then immediately tell Fingers Malloy. Yeah. Uh, and that had an, a, a, that brought on a flavor profile that we didn't expect. And this is kind of the same thing. It does, it does not – if you handed that to me and didn't tell me what it was, I would never have guessed it was a scotch. The, it, no, it, no, it's the orchard. It's like a, it's, it's vanilla and, and, and not dark fruits. Dark fruits would be like plums and yeah. things like that. No. But it's that it's it's almost a personification, uh, uh, but not a like pronounced a pronounced red apple. Yeah, right. They also talk about pear, and I'm I am not, not I don't eat pear. pears, so I have no idea how that flavor is going to go. It does pair lovely because both are light. One is not drowning out the other in this, so it's 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 a nice one to punch. I never do a scotch with a cigar. You could do this. You could do the Glenfiddich Grand Cru with the Davidoff Grand Cru. It it, it won't overpower it. But it's why I do bourbon with cigars or nothing with cigars because I want the cigar. This de- this actually depresses me a little bit, Tony, because I'm a I'm a simple man <laughs> and middle class fella in a, the suburbs. I want to study. You say, would you say you're blue collar? <laughs> yes, I'm blue collar. I, I I want a house with a study now with like <laughs> and have a smoking jacket and enjoy the cigar with the scotch at home in my study. Yeah, this is uh this is not bad at all. This is not a bad parent. This, so this is worth trying. I can't tell you that 329 on a bottle, it's worth having in your cabinet. But if you want to talk about a special night out, if you want to talk about a special night out, okay. come here yeah. and do the pairing. Yes. Uh, come to blend and do the pairing. Yeah. That that I would do. Listen. Like, we've done a lot of things together that have been good. I, this is worth trying. I'm all for any of my friends who want to buy a bottle and invite me over. Oh, well, that, that's fine. Oh, also, if any of my friends want to buy a boat, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm permission to come aboard, Captain. I'm 
I'm all uh, about it right there. That's Fingers Malloy. In case you are wondering, FingersMalloy.com is where you find him. You find me, certainly, TonyCats.com, Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, Twitter, and Instagram. Twitter, by the way, is a dumpster fire. Yes. It's gotten worse. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm barely on Twitter anymore. Oh. I, and what bothers me is, you know, as a content provider, and I don't want to get too much into this because, you know, it may bore me. Um, but, <laughs> you know, you had I, I made a decision to focus much of my attention in t- 2011, 2012 on Twitter. And now I'm really I, I should have leaned more towards Facebook, even though Facebook's evil, too. Uh, but uh, Twitter has just turned into an absolute dumpster fire garbage scene. Everybody wants to hate. Nobody wants to be happy. I mean, you can still find me there, but Instagram and, and Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, that's the best way to do it. Instagram has turned into what Twitter used to be, in my opinion. It's fun. It's still fun. Mm-hmm. People are doing fun things, fun pictures. And then there's, there's the Kardashians. <laughs> no? No. Kim Kardashian says she's going to get more modest now, so that's the end of Instagram. Right. <laughs> there's no longer any point. All the wannabes. Well, when you crap money. You know, at this at this point, what does what more does she need? Honestly, if I knew that's all it took, I would have made isn't a sex she... tape with Ray J. <laughs> I really, truly would I mean, have. Isn't she like Krusty the Clown at this point? Doesn't he have like eighty? The Kardashians only have like eighty or hundred different products, and and she's nothing compared to her sister. Kylie is the billionaire, billionaire, and but she should have to give a cut for Kim because Kim did the hard work. Yeah, Kim had to. Kim had to do the real work. She's the one who got her knees dirty. So does Bob Saget deserve any of the uh, Olsen twins money? Is that a fair question to ask? Because they're like worth, what, $10 billion now? He probably wrote the line, you got it, dude. (laughs) Poor Bob Saget. I'd love to interview that dude. Oh. Oh, you know what's funny about him? Uh, he was—I thought he was in indie once. I thought he was doing a show here. Uh, yeah, and I think he's—he may have been in for the five hundred too. Uh, you know, a lot of celebrities yeah. are, but people are so shocked when they see his stand-up because oh. they expect it to be Full House. Yeah, it ain't Full it House. <laughs> it isn't. You have to see the movie The Aristocrats if you want to understand Bob Saget in any way, shape, or form. He's so terrific. So anyway, it's Tony Katz Radio on Facebook, <laughs> Facebook.com/slash Tony Katz Radio. BackboneBourbon.com and Fanimation.com are fantastic sponsors. And Blend Bar Cigar for the uh, Grand Cru pairing, which you can only get here. The Glenfiddich Grand Cru uh, Scotch and uh, the Davidoff Grand Cru, whether what, you pick your size, whatever it is you want. It's, it's a terrific, terrific pairing. It's, it, this, this is uh, very good. I'm glad, they, I'm glad they're like, no, 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 try it together. Because we only did the cigar last time. Like, no, no, try it. Yeah, this was this was all right. And subscribe to Eat Drink Smoke, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play. Tell your friends, write a review, leave a five star review. This is Eat Drink Smoke.